0: Hello and welcome to Sharp Tech. I'm Andrew Sharp, and this is a free preview of today's episode. People in the U.S. have gone from zero to hundred, but where do the Taiwanese sit? Are they closer to twenty or thirty when they should be fifty or sixty? Yeah,
1: I'm. Uh, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's that high. I mean, but uh, and I'm super biased in this regard because I live here, and you know, I I've, there are actions I've taken like I have a place in the US to, just I mean, like part of the motivation is to make sure that I have somewhere to, to go if need be but there certainly is you could argue a motivated reasoning from my perspective to assume that it's not going to happen but I would say honestly my expectations are lower than Andy's and mine are still probably higher than most Taiwanese I think I think hmm. there is a reason for concern that Taiwan's been living with this threat for so long that to go back to the frog in the water, like, like the water's getting a little bit warm and, and it feels totally normal. But I think a lot of the motivation for thinking that is this economic tie-up. It's like, this would be so destructive and on a just completely different planet than whatever destruction zero COVID is inflicting on China. I, I mean, like, like I just don't think it's really comparable and we can get into like zero COVID. Like China does have reasons for this policy as insane as it seems like their, you know, the, their vaccine is of questionable efficacy. Mm-hmm. The, their medical system is woefully unprepared for any sort of like mass sickness. It's much smaller. It's, it's not, not not like it's people are underappreciate appreciate the extent to which the U S medical system, despite its costs or perhaps, you know, in some respects, because of its costs is very large and very, and, and, and very well. And, and that is a big fact, like the U S was maybe overwhelmed in New York at the very beginning, but by and large was not overwhelmed at any other point sort of in the crisis. Whereas China was utterly and completely overwhelmed in Wuhan and I think is terrified, you know, of that happening again. And you could frankly spin the COVID thing in another direction, which is, you know, at the risk of tiptoeing into sort of cultural sensibilities, there is a real, I, I in my, as an American, living in a Chinese society, uh, a real stark fear of dying uh, in, in a way that Americans just tend to not have. And I mean, honestly, that if anything, that's an indicator where China would be wise to not go to war with the U.S.
0: No, but as far as the logic, that's actually news to me. I, I hadn't realized that there was like a rational basis for adopting the COVID zero policy. And that basis being that basically China has Far more people than we do, and their hospital systems are far less equipped to absorb a, an actual outbreak than yeah, their Americans medical system were. is smaller
1: than the US medical system for a population that's four times the size. Exactly. Like it's, it, and so there is like real concerns. I think there's obviously criticism for not accepting Western vaccines, for example, and that is definitely a she sort of thing. There's definitely a bit where, look, we we suppress covid. The outside didn't. That's been a real sort of uh, talking point, propaganda point. And it's hard to sort of go back on that. Uh, but Andy's point is fair. They are sacrificing their economy for this. That gets into the broader concerns about Xi, wh- who does seem to be much more ideologically motivated mm-hmm. than sort of pragmatic, economically motivated like most previous you know Chinese leaders. And that is the reason why there is more concern here. I right? like if, if Hu Jintao or, or Jiang Zemin or, or even, you know, Deng Xiaoping were in charge of China, I don't think this would even be an issue. This is a Xi Jinping issue sort of at the, at the end of the day. And no one really knows what he's going to do. He's like, he's done a lot of dumb stuff and I think invading mm-hmm. Taiwan would be dumb. Uh, but at this point it that that is the the core concern
0: yeah and i don't think that the covid zero policy is a good policy and certainly the way it's been implemented has been pretty inhumane and frankly kind of unbelievable um but at the same time it, but again that's
1: also a western perspective
0: well and it's edifying to to realize that it's not quite as crazy as it looks as a westerner
1: yeah and, and it's almost impossible to know what approval it really has in China. The other thing is the Chinese that we do hear from are people who are sort of intrinsically against the -hmm. government, right? Like they're the ones who go to the trouble to figure out how to get online in the West. They're the ones, you know, who are going to be more sort of cosmopolitan, are going to be in cities like Shanghai, which has always been... A much more, the most Western oriented city in China, sort of, you know, unique within China. Like even in China, everyone knows Shanghai is like kind of like its own, its own thing. Yeah. And obviously that was where the big, the, the biggest, most visible lockdown was. But it's fair to note those lockdowns have been happening in other cities. The, like that's kind of makes the point. The reason why Shanghai was such a big deal is because it was Shanghai. Like that was mind blowing to people. It would happen there. But the flip side of that is this made this policy may very well still be broadly popular. And Mm -hmm. it's very, in all these things with China, And I'm not saying I'm a China expert at all. My only expertise in China is knowing to be careful to apply my Western framework and point of view to the country. And I think that's where a lot of Americans struggle to get out of their cultural viewpoint and mindset and just sort of project the way they view the world and mm-hmm. I, this is just something i mean you, when you live abroad particularly when you live in a there's there's so much about the society from day-to-day interactions from from family to to relationships to work that's just so utterly different and, and even to the extent i've been here for 20 years the biggest thing i know is how much i don't know <laughs> and mm-hmm. and so I, it makes it hard to answer these questions in a way because a lot of it's just i don't know i don't know I don't know.
0: On the American side of our Zoom call here, sitting in Washington, D.C. at the seat yeah, of the, power. The, 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 yes, the the, the the core of the problem. A stone's throw from the
1: Department of Commerce. Um, I mean, it, it, this, it's what makes me worried. I feel like China does not really understand the U.S., and the U.S. does not really understand China. And you have this constant talking past each other. Like, Americans are very direct, very forward, a little naive in many respects. And the Chinese are, you know, sort of, like, saying things sideways, under the surface, like, sort of communicating. Like, so the U.S. says, oh, we care about human rights. And China's like, okay, what's your angle? Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Is like, no, we really do. And it's like China's like, well, look at X, Y, Z. Do you really care? And the I think the U.S., like – they they do care. Do they always abide by that? No, not at all. But there actually are sometimes actions that are driven by some sort of principle. And China doesn't believe that in a million years. Like, no, there's principle that's that's propaganda, that's talking point. And right. again, sometimes it is. But what's your real angle? Where are you actually driving at? And then China's like, oh, you know, sort of saying it under the surface or through signaling, this is what we really mean, even though our words say one thing or like, what am I, have I told the chungi story on this podcast? Like no, not my, yet. one of my favorite insults in Chinese is there's all these four letter phrases called chungis. One of the best ways to insult someone is you say a chungi, which is four characters, but you drop one of the characters. And by dropping that character, so someone is like Someone, maybe there's a Chinese that so says someone is beautiful, kind, honest, and, uh, you know, hardworking. Okay. You drop the honest one. Say, this person is beautiful, kind, and hardworking. You just basically insulted the hell out of this person by saying they're dishonest and, you know, you can't trust this person. That's a Chinese insult. It's like, it's, it's what's not said. And that's emblematic of, of this communication in general. And there's this total mismatch and the big worry is that folks just speak past each other and th- there's yeah it sounds like the worry rise,
0: it sounds like the worry would be that the americans take the chinese at their word and no matter what the americans say the chinese don't believe the americans and think that there's ulterior motives and that's right grand ambitions. that's right yes yep. Um, yep. i could see how that would devolve if that's the dynamic on both sides um yeah well i was thinking about the chip ban over the last couple of days and i arrived at two competing thoughts number one I understand why they would do this now. Like if you don't trust China and you're confident that the relationship is going to get even worse and more dangerous over the next five to 10 years, it's better to implement these export controls now rather than allow them to advance in the interim as things continue to devolve. Like So that makes sense to me. To the extent I was uneasy on the last podcast and unsure about whether it makes sense to do this now, I think that's less about the decision with these export controls in a vacuum than it is about the combination of this situation escalating with China alongside everything else that's happening all over the world right now. I mean, yep. there's a non-zero chance of nuclear war in Ukraine. Our relationship with the Saudis is devolving. Iran is increasingly looking threatening. And now we're, you know, engaging in a pretty open Cold War with China. And like, a year ago, I was not prepared for any of this stuff. And it still feels like there hasn't really been a national conversation about, potential downsides and long-term implications of committing to some of these fights and so yeah no that it's like the systematic systematic view of like are we
1: actually willing to back this up number one number two are we actually capable of backing this up right like there is a concern about writing checks that we can't cash and you know there's It's one thing to have a narrative around the way you think the world should be. Narratives don't make reality. And I think that's uh, something that we're reminded of sort of again and again in in all aspects of life.
0: Yeah. And I don't know what the right answer is, but you talk about the frog in boiling water. I feel like nobody's really talking about it. And I'm looking up now and thinking, like, wait a second, like we are engaged in more conflict around the world now than we have been at any point in my lifetime and i'm not sure any of us were really ready to be jumping in with both feet all over the world uh, in that respect but in any event we will see what happens and there is another question related to the china chip ban and jonathan says this he says what is the modal end game for tiktok in the us Will the U.S. government force a sale to a U.S.-owned entity? Will it be banned? Will the Chinese government use it to seed pro-China propaganda? TikTok has always struck me as an engineering marvel and a serious threat to America's interests. I'm not sure there is another foreign-owned asset commanding this much American mindshare. I'm also not sure the average person realizes it is effectively owned by an unfriendly foreign government all right and that's the end of the free preview if you'd like to subscribe and receive every episode of this show you can do so by subscribing to Strategery plus that'll give you access to every sharp tech episode all of our sharp china episodes the dithering podcast with ben and john gruber daily analysis of the tech business from ben and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come If you'd like to become a subscriber, click the link in your show notes to get access to the entire Stratechery universe.